Good morning, Murray Walker. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. I came to the first one and I've been to all the others since. The number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Gentlemen, start your engine! Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, Radio Hotman, thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Diabolical, uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio Hotman. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. Good afternoon, Radio When you get wines like this in Denmark, two for 22. Um, four for forty-four. <laughs> what would you get? If it was me buying them, I would have probably would have taken um, four for forty-four. But given it was you, you cheap ass, then you'd only get two. And you actually tried to get me to pay for it, even though you drank it. <laughs> I haven't drunk them. They're not even open yet. But they will be soon. Now listen, we're going to have to get Fogs on the show because he's um, going off to one of his. Uh, gay tennis sauna clubs and um, he's very very strict you know you'll have to inhale several cigarettes before he goes out the door you know to his perfumed uh, senator so we, we better get him um, before we start episode 225 of Radio Hot Lap that light-hearted and zany podcast that takes a look at the world of motor racing a light-hearted look Danish food schwerbrod Technology, gadgets, barbecues, Aussie style, and why the fuck the weather's gone crazy in Adelaide? It's just the way it is, mate. It's just the way it is. So, um, mate, uh, what are you doing here in this part of the world anyway? Why are you hanging around my house, like in the bed there, with the air conditioning, the heating, the internet, everything going full steam? What's going on? Let's just... Uh, make it very clear that I'm not hanging out in your bed. I'm hanging out. I'm hanging. I'm hanging. Hanging out in your house. Just because you're a class A homo, it doesn't mean that I am. So uh, I'm staying at your house. And it's quite. That is quite true. I, I, I probably that came out wrong. Yes. I'm, you're as far away from my room as possible. I'm staying here at your house uh, on a great gesture uh, for the reason. <laughs> For the reason of us actually doing a bit of work, because um, you still do my PR, even though even though you've been a bit slack on the on the, on the latest. Um, but yeah, I mean, um, it's um, one of those things. We just uh, got to get on with it and get some uh, some stuff done. But uh, before we get folks on the phone, this the quick look back at your year. It's probably been you know of the eight or nine years that you and I have been messing around doing stuff, it's probably been the most fragmented year in terms of racing for you. It's like this you can't join the dots in any championship and, and I suppose I think with the World Endurance Championship coming online there, that's that's made a bit of a mess of the sort of domestic championships if you'd say like ALMS and LMS which has never become European and then a, a bit of an Asian stuff, Ooh, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think motorsport has a lot of championships in in very different parts, and obviously, we've been part of the Le Mans series now for the past sort of uh, ten years, and uh, we've had a good run there. And 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 now with Hankook deciding to to go and and play in DTM and not support um, a works program in the Le Mans series, it's changed things a little bit around for me. It's given me the opportunity to drive for 
a lot of different teams. Uh, when this year will come to an end, I'll have ended up driving for 11 different teams. Um, so it's been good. It's been one of those things where you, you get to do a lot of different stuff. It's a bit, it is a bit, it is a bit disappointing that you um, have uh, moved into, um, well, I spoke you're doing, oh, folks, look, just stand by. We're not quite ready for you, but we'll bring you in. We'll bring you in shortly when your network oh, connection. No, mate. How are you, mate? Welcome to the show. Uh, pretty well. Finally recovered from the uh, grind of that. Well, uh, mate, we'll get round to asking you how you are in a minute. Um, but uh, welcome to the show, and uh, we have uh, Alan Simonson here with us, sort of basically sort of having a bit of a relax, doing a bit of work here before he goes up to the Gold Coast, which no doubt you'll be going up to as well, so I thought it was a good opportunity to have a bit of a natter and get your good self on before you go off to the uh, tennis match. Well, always uh, a pleasure to be in such esteemed company as uh, such a great all-round racing driver as Alan Simerson. How are you, Alan? I'm good, Mike. How are you going? Yeah, well, as I started to say before I was rudely interrupted, um, yeah, no, I'm good. I've recovered um, from the, the grind of Bathurst. It was a good week, but it's hard work up there if you're, uh, if you're busy, as you well know. Yeah, quite an interesting one, yeah, absolutely. No, I, I quite enjoyed it as well, and uh, it was good to see so many people attend, and, you know, Bathurst, always Bathurst, but um, different Bathurst, I thought, not, not, not the sort of action planned Bathurst we normally see, but uh, I was okay. No, you're right, it was a slow burn, but boy, did it light up at the end. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was uh, it was pretty good, pretty good last couple of laps there with Reynolds and stuff. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, good good thing. Um, obviously, from a driver's point of view, you prefer you prefer no crashes to be happening and stuff. But when you're actually in the race and you need a safety car and things like that, you you, you quite like for a bit of action to happen and. And um, that certainly didn't happen this time, but I think it's just the quality of, of the driving is just becoming so much better and, and, and everyone that's involved know the bigger picture and stuff and, and uh, it's probably the, uh, the reason why it, it is like it is because sort of Sandan was a bit similar, I think. These cars are difficult always, and I think even this year when I haven't, uh, I haven't had the luxury of coming down for all the Friday practice sessions, uh, which I probably should have done, you know. But just with my busy schedule in Europe, it's been hard to actually commit to all those Friday practice sessions. So it does take a little bit of time before you get into uh, into a good good rhythm in these cars, but. Certainly, Bathurst is one of those places I know pretty well, and also this time, you know, once the race started, our pace was pretty good. Uh, even though the result in the end probably didn't show it, you know, we were sort of definitely better than where we ended up. And uh, yeah, I mean, Bathurst always been good to me in in, in many years, and uh, I like to think that that it's one of those places I know pretty good, and uh, just try and do a decent job there. And um, this year it was probably a little bit harder than it was last year, you know, running with Murph and sort of running in the top five for most of the race uh, last year. This year we were sort of in the top ten for the first sort of half race, but 
the double stack rule in the in the pit sort of caught us out in the end and uh, and and but even though we we pitted from ninth and weren't supposed to um, weren't supposed to uh, to end up in a situation where where we would double stack uh, car 17 um, came in on an unscheduled stop and 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 there was a lot of mis uh, miscommunication in the team and and we ended up losing out big time so uh, just one of those things that happens and they always happens at Bathurst and uh, but. Overall, you know, like uh, I think, ba just to get the chance to drive at Bathurst is always great, mate. Mm. Well, yeah, no, I think you and Junior were doing it. Well, you were doing a really good job for a while there. You looked like you were creeping up. You were well in the top ten, and then, um, as you say, the, um, the the odious double stacking came in and um, crueled the chances there. But I mean, I think you did a pretty good job considering, you know, sorry, with the best will in the world, you know, Junior. No, I mean they've been obviously been you know a sort of a, a mid mid to low 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 field runners this year. Um, you know they've taken a taken a hit back, but it wasn't many years ago since they won the championship. But they they do need to find their feet again and and get back in back get back in the game. I mean. From a driver's point of view, actually sitting in the car and knowing what the car is doing, you know, we weren't we weren't uh, having a difficult car. It's just the car was okay, you know. And, and in the dark days when I drove the Vodafone cars and, and the very quick cars around there, it's not like you jump out in the car and go, oh, this car is just fantastic. It's producing, you know, the goods, you know, because those cars have understeer, oversteer, and small problems as well. The thing is, though, they produce lap times, and that's that's what that's what a slower car doesn't do. It doesn't produce the lap time, even though you're working hard, um, and that obviously is, is stuff that's that's being engineered and done before the cars even leave the workshop. Because if you don't, if you rock up to a car that doesn't doesn't deliver even before you come to a race, um, you know, you're not going to win it there. You know, you you will you 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 need a fast car before you even come come to the racetrack if you want to win it's another thing if you're just aiming for a top six you know like then you can sometimes sneak in and, and do a good job but it's quite clearly that you know the Vodafone cars and and um, and the for, um, the FPR cars are, are the cars to be in at the moment um, and um, you know quite clearly it was those two car to two, two uh, outfits that were sitting on the race throughout um, this year as well Absolutely, couldn't agree more. There you go, Johnny. Any more? Wait, uh, look, you know, no, just uh, I, I thought that pretty much like every like everybody else did, it was a rather processional sort of a race. Um, but you know, what, 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 what can you expect? It um, pretty much didn't come down to the play on the on the lead lap with the right tyre and fuel strategy for a 10 lap sprint because usually the weather's like in Clement and, uh, but yeah like you say it was a very good um, a very good battle towards the end uh, Dave Reynolds in the 50D, 52D car against um, against uh, uh, PD and Jamie in the, in the one car um, that was that was brilliant and as you we were both there the, the, the media conference was was good. Listen, let me tell you, that David Reynolds loses his drive. He'll certainly he's got a job in stand-up comedy. He is a funny, funny man. I was um, actually just talking to him about an hour ago, just setting something up for tomorrow, and um, we were sort of chatting about things. And um, I said.
if there was an award for best performance of the day in a press conference, he certainly win it because he livened it up. What did you say to that? Does he know he's he doing it or what? Does he know he's actually humorous? Oh, yeah, yeah no, he's a funny boy. He's a quirky character. We've known that for a long time. So, you know, he's put himself on the map with this drive. You know, he came very close and he was getting it all he had, but, you know... You got to get Jamie Wincup, who was just, you know, on one of those days, and where he mastered and managed everything. But um, I think David is reveling in his newfound notoriety. I mean, we all knew about him and how good he is, but you know, the wider world's got a glimpse of him, so he's been pretty busy. And yeah, um, it was interesting. He, he was telling telling me that um, he thought actually the Wincup still had something up his sleeve because, you know, Winkup, of course, was madly conserving fuel, whereas Reynolds had been, you know, drafting him and um, last five laps he said, you know, he was just on as he, he's picked up the finish rally maximum uh, maximum attack and he said he gave it everything in the last five laps because um, he saved enough fuel um, to go for it. So um, Jamie still had a little in hand, but um, it was a thrilling finish. I mean, one of the odds two years in a row we'd have, you know, almost a photo finish in the Bathurst 1000. It wasn't quite as exciting as Lowndes, you know, ducking and weaving and diving and hounding Garth Tander last year. But I said it was close and it was an enthralling battle. So um, we certainly haven't heard the last of young David Reynolds, that's for sure. Yeah, you, you certainly haven't, but you might have heard the last of JP because he's actually here but out the back smoking 17 cigarettes even though he's not allowed, he's not a smoker anymore. I don't know what's going on with him. A man who's given up smoking yet smokes 17 cigarettes a day. I mean, it's a filthy habit, folks, and I know that you, you, um, you're not a smoker yourself, so therefore there's no, you know, you, you know, you know what I'm saying. Uh, no, I, I cannot tell a lie. I've been known to have the odd Gasper, as JP would call it. A JP Gasper. And speaking you of the Gasper, JP's here. Finally. Hello, folks. How are you? Hey, JP. I'm a twice in one day. What a privilege. I know. Amazing, oh, were well, you doing tech support earlier? I was doing tech support earlier. Oh, did you give? Did, did, did you did you give up on him and he came to me about the phone? About the phone? No, I didn't give up on him about the phone. I just told him what to do. Left him. Yeah, and, and and you both had the same result. Excellent. Oh, good. Great. You might as well go into business together. Or should I say get fucked? Yeah, no, you really should. <coughs> Thanks, I think mate. you should revive... You should re- revive I Saw Tit. I Saw Tit. I bet it's been a while since oh, you've right. seen a bit. With my, with my inflection wrong there, I Saw Tit. Right. <laughs> Folks, don't be like that, you know? I mean, I really I appreciate your... Like. Appreciate you sending your column over today and... You know, you you know, you were quite be to be quite offended that I hadn't requested it. Yeah, thanks for your interest. <laughs> is that is that why you wanted to rename that word file so that you could send him the crummy one? No, uh, my cutting plan has been uncovered, JP. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you working on zero dollars an hour, right? Yeah. Oh, cool. Me too. Yeah, yeah. But free accommodation in Melbourne, so it's okay. Okay, that's right. But <laughs> next time we'll bring some AmbiPure. Hey guys, <laughs> 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 you just talk amongst yourselves. Don't worry about Alan and I. You know, we just we just walk 
Right, okay, we understand. Systems failing at all levels. Um, well, I'm having a problem with my iPhone, iPhone 4S, the um, um, the thingy. <laughs> That's the technical term for it. The yeah, like your ability to be able to. Where you go to set up the. Um, Did you resurrect your personal hotspot? Personal hotspot has disappeared. No, no, it stubbornly refuses to come back. Very weird. Everything tried. Everything. It's no longer personal. You were advised, backed it up, restored it from the backup, nothing. Did you do that network reset I told you? Yep, nothing. That's no bizarre. Put in those Wi-Fi password again. How, how could that happen? I mean, you put, you put a cheapskate SIM in it. And I'm thinking about... Not... Um, <laughs> cheapskate SIM, honestly, you are wonderful. Yeah, but that's where it comes up, Fives White Ant line. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, don't you talk squeaky. Alan, Fives is going to explain the term white anting. Can you, actually, can you, because Alan doesn't understand it, can you explain that to him? Al? White anting? Who's white anting? I think, I think Hardy and uh, Alan have been talking about being white anted and, and, and Alan hasn't quite got his head around what it means. Yeah, what's that? Uh, could you explain? A rusty sausage, you want? Could you um, explain to Alan what the term white anting is? It means being maliciously undermined. Right. Does that help? Mm. Well, give an example. Mm. Can you give an example? And, and who would be that? I don't know. I don't, who, who, who is the white anter and who is the white ante? Well, let's take the... the, oh, the let's take... Oh, Rush, hang on. Let's take the show about absolutely. Let's you take... know we do that so well, folks. Let's take the case of there? let's take the case of the Erebus Mercedes Stone Brothers auto action um, story and the white anting concept associated with that. Could you perhaps expand on that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, folks. <laughs> but there was white Eddie. No, no, there's, there's a, maybe a red back in there somewhere, but no white Eddie. A red back. Very good. Um, interesting news. Very provocative tonight, aren't you, John? Jonathan. <laughs> yes, Mark. <laughs> regards. Kind regards. Uh, you, want, you want to know what's going on with Alex Kramer? 
Yes. Mm. What is going on with Alex Bremer? Um, having well, been... Um, apparently... Just to you, I have investigated. I have actually spoken to Gary Rogers. Right. And for the moment, it is what it is. He, um... He hasn't really been setting the world on fire. Gary's worried that throwing him into the potential cage that is the Gold Coast 600 at the Treacherous Service Paradise Street Circuit might be a risk. So he's benching him for the time being and putting in Greg Ritter. Although, as Gary Rogers himself admitted, as at the very instant that I saw it, um, as he said, there's absolutely no guarantee, of course, that Greg Ritter won't win it either. <laughs> well, I'd say there's a more highly, highly likelihood that he will than the other bloke. Uh, I, I've got to agree with you, Alan. It was funny when Gary was telling me this, it's going through my head. And as soon as he said it, I said, well, funny you should mention that, Gary. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know, there's more to this than meets the eye. Kramer, as good as he may or may have been in European sports car racing and UTM and all that, he's just not cutting it here. He's struggled. It was a very left field decision by Gary Rogers. You know, a man who's known to gamble on drivers. I said, remember, he gambled on you some way back, Alan. That one worked. How'd that go, Al? What's that? How did uh, you you drove for Gary Rogers? Yeah, you did too. Yeah, I drove for Gary. I know I know what he's yeah. like, so therefore I have a pretty good view on uh, on this situation as as well. And I, I'm actually not afraid of putting my neck out there now to say that I reckon exactly I know what happened there, because Gary is a typical a typical old style team owner who is the solo decision maker at Gary Rogers and uh, Alexander Premar is the only driver ever in the history to be sacked by Audi and haven't had the luxury of driving for Audi myself at the Nuremberg Ring this year I know how they operate and to be sacked from them uh, takes a bit of an effort so I think that what's happened here is at Bathurst, when uh, Prima was sidelined in qualifier for Perkins, who then actually didn't do a much better job than Prima, uh, was uh, has created a lot of a lot of tension, and I can see French tension up against old Aussie, um, uh, old Aussie. What would you say uh, structure has come to a big blur? And this is obviously what's uh, gone further into this next race because here is someone who potentially has been um, invited into a, a deal which is more than a year and then uh, you're being sidelined first by a co-driver for Bathurst and then secondly for, for, the, uh, for the Indy race. This is someone who's worked and driven for some of the best teams in the world. He won't like that and he will speak his mind, which I guess someone of a younger age or an up-and-coming driver would have just copped it. And I reckon there's, gonna be, there's been tension there and that's, that's what, why this outcome is the way it is. I think you're probably right. There's, there's, you know, there has been friction, but Gary runs the team. He rules it with an iron rod, as you were alluding to before. And um, yep. he sidelined him. Promo will probably be back, probably, for Abu Dhabi and um, Winton and Sydney. But, well, if you 
Well, if he was going to put him, if he, if he was going to put him back in for the for the remaining three rounds, um, I would say why why would you do why would you then sideline him for Indy? I can't see that. If I was a team owner and 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 everyone that's been around motorsport like yourself for many years, everyone knows that if you if you have this if you have to, you you know if you're going to replace your driver or not, and if you are going to replace your driver, and you already know that now with a couple of rounds left to go, well the ideal the ideal situation is to then use the drivers in which you're thinking that you would like to replace them with to have a go each in the car before the year comes to an end because then you have a bit of a, an idea on how they operate, you know, how they work with the team, what their pace is like, and then you can make a much better decision on who you're going to put in the car for the following year. Uh, but to, to just sideline him for one race... And to put his ego right down to the bottom, which is what the team and Gary did at Bathurst, to then say, "Oh, you, but you can do the last three rounds." I think that's bollocks. I think you need to you need to either be behind your driver, trust him 100%, give him every support that he needs. Which clearly a driver that's coming in from overseas, having not driven these cars before, needs. Or you say, "Listen, mate, you've had your chance." You're not gonna. You haven't caught it. I'm now going to use the remaining rounds to put someone else in. Well, I think it's a bit of a ball of the above, Alan. You know, we are talking about Gary Rogers. He's less than predictable. He has done this before. He has pulled, pulled drivers out of the Service Paradise round, which, is, as you know, is the you know one of the one of the car wreckers. But if, it, if as you say, Mark, you may well be right. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the last we see of Alex. Um, but I, I can assure you of one thing, I reckon, you know, whether he comes back or not, at the end of the season, in terms of next season, he's gone ski. Bye-bye. Au revoir. Yeah. But he, you know, don't need to be harsh. He just hasn't cut it. No. It was a strange decision to begin with. It was, it was probably never going to work. It hasn't worked. Um, you know, Gary's ruthless. He moves on. And... And I, and I suspect, well, more than suspect, the deal he has with Gary is rather more complicated than we think. Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm, I'm very sure it's it is. And, you know, it'd be interesting to know actually who's paying who. No, I, 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 you know, I, 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 I don't, I don't think that's a difficult. Gary is is not known to be taking taking guys with 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 budget and and Premier coming from a works Audi deal, having driven at, um, you know, at Audi in the DTMs and at the Le Mans cars. There's no way he would be bringing a budget. No way. Well, you wouldn't think so, but all I'm saying, I hear things. That's why, that's why that it's complicated. We don't really know. But, um, I'm sure it's compli- I'm sure it's co- complicated. That that's that's for sure. But um, yeah. Anyway. So I, will, I will defer to your point of view, Alan, because you're a driver and you dealt with these people. So mm. I'll go with your version ahead of mine. I think that I think I think I think that there's a I think I, because I know French drivers as well um, and you know I, I even you know when I started out in England back when I was seven 18 years old I shared shared a house with a Frenchman and, and ever since you know 
uh, now living in Monaco and stuff and dealing with the French, I would say 99% of them, they're all the same. And if there's one thing the Frenchies don't do is they don't take shit from anyone. Doesn't matter where they, doesn't matter where they are in a position, they do not take shit from anyone. And they are very, very, very proud people. And, um, and what happened at Bathurst, I think the writing was on the wall there straight away, you know, like, but Bathurst is a hard place to learn. And Gary should have thought about that even though, even before he invited Prima to come into the championship, think, think through the year and think, well, what tracks are we actually going to go to? How is he going to cope when he comes to Bathurst with a difficult car on a track he doesn't know? How is he going to cope with that? You know, like, and, um, you have two other co-drivers, which is obviously uh, trying to, wanting to steal his seat, if you like. Um, you know, how's he going to cope with that? And then, for, to then give him, give him the chance to, to drive and qualify, um, you know, I'm pretty sure Prima was jumping up and down uh, for the fact that, that, that Perkins actually didn't do a much better job than what he was going to do himself anyway. But, you know, um, at the end of the day, it's just... It's just one of those. It's just one of those situations, and I agree with you that I think it's it's not 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 as easy as it looks from the outside. It was certainly a slap in the face, and I mean you could also argue that probably I mean Bathurst may have been Alex's best shot to shine because if he's a class driver, you know, a class driver is, is actually going to probably show better in these cars at Bathurst than perhaps anywhere else, really. You would you would think so. You would think so. Um, the, the thing is, those cars here are just you know they are so unique, um, and it doesn't matter doesn't matter who drives them. Everyone knows that they are they're very unique. But Alex has been a champion in every other sport that he has been in every other championship that he's been com competing in. And I always remember back to when Courtney came into the championship. He didn't he didn't succeed in his first year either. But he was on a solid three year deal where people was backing him up. And the second year he was in there, he started to show good promising. Uh, but his first year certainly wasn't wasn't very good. Um, and I I think it does take some time to get used to them. And yes, he hasn't performed this year. And he, if he was after a performer for a one year basics, when well then he's taken the wrong driver. That's for sure. Um, is he going to be able to cut it? I'm not going to make that decision. But what I can make a decision on is that in Europe, when he did drive DTM cars and, 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 and Le Mans cars, he was definitely good enough to be there. But his attitude, I think, probably wasn't. And I think that's probably why he was the only driver ever to be sacked by Audi. And you got to remember that now also now when he's dealing with Gary. Why was he sacked there, you know? And it wasn't because of his performance. Um, I do remember, though, Alan, that he was uh, let go from Audi after a very major start line crash at a DTM race. Maybe that was just the icing on the cake that just went, time to go. Yeah, you see, DTM is very political. And you and if you followed, for, insta for instance, BMW's uh, decisions now and, and what they're saying about for next year is they say, you know, we're going to go up to eight cars as well because we're simply... We're simply not with the championship, just running six cars. And people from the outside goes, "Well, what's the, what, what, what's the difference in having six cars to eight cars? You know, you just need one fast driver and one fast team, and you can win the championship." But DTM is very, very different to any other championship. It is 100% fully political, and decisions before you go into a DTM race on who can run in what position is made even before you go in there. 
it's also the made the decisions on you know who is going to be the ones that you let past very easily who are you going to make a hard workout for and there's drivers in that championship which is in that championships to not finish on the podium but to do other stuff it's very political and this is why BMW you'll see next year will run two extra cars you know because they need to be in on that game and he might not have liked his position when he was in DTM he might have been one of those drivers that needed to finish somewhere between fourth and eight for whatever but that was the highest he could ever go you know he might have had to bag out of the podium position to other drivers you know things like that um, but that's right, what John's saying is he did take out a couple of Audi drivers uh, in a start line crash of who were fighting for the championships, which obviously didn't help his case. Um, but if you're that kind of driver that takes out your teammates who are fighting for the championship, well, maybe then you don't do so well with a tr true old Aussie race car owner that decides to put another car in your car. Would in your car. DTM then be akin to uh, like the Tour de France? Of, of, of bicycle racing. Yeah, very much. In that, in that it, it is extremely, the team works together to get someone over the line. Yeah, I just think there's probably less uh, doping involved in, in racing. But, <laughs> but um, I not, mean... Not necessarily less dope, though. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> very but, good, folks. But, but, uh, but, but it's very much the same. I mean, DTM in particular, when it was just Audi and, and Mercedes, was very, very political. Um, it still is. It still is very political. Uh, there's a lot of good friends of mine who's driven in DTM who's actually chosen to step out just because they said they couldn't be asked with that kind of racing. You know, they just wanted to go out there and do a good job. So um, that's um, that's the way it is. But uh, interesting is it definitely that uh, we'll see Ritter drive at the, at the Gold Coast. Well, he is the world's fastest plasterer. It'll be spectacular, I can assure you. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, um, speaking of the DTM, Alan, it's also an absolute career killer for ex-Formula 1 drivers, you know. Mika Hakkinen, David Coulthard, even Ralph Schumacher. And, you know, there's talk over, over in Europe that, you know, Michael Schumacher might be considering, you know. Yeah, I... I, I, I mean, how, honestly, if he's even thinking of that, oh, I, I have no idea why people would, would do that. Uh, you know, you I, I, I guess... You know, I don't understand that those drivers, surely when they come to the end of Formula One, sort of enter the, you know, close to 40 years old, um, done travel for half their life, st stood in queues at immigrations and had their bag lost about a thousand times and stuff like that. I'm just wondering why they would continue to, to do these things, because everyone knows that a 40-year-old driver is not of the same speed of a 25-year-old driver. They just aren't. They might have a lot more experience, and which they can use in an endurance race or in other things where they, where cars might be a little bit difficult. They can use their experience in setting things up. But surely, drivers going into DTM, they know that you know new guys are going to come through. Um, I think we're already now seeing a, a bit of a change. Like for instance, if you look back just a couple of years with Matthias Ekstrom, you know, dominating the Audi camp, and now you've got the new blood coming through and stuff. And 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 you know, even though you know he he's just just after you know 32 years old, um, I'm just thinking, why would these F1 drivers want to do it? Because it's not going to be they, because they need the money. Um, it's it must be just because they want the racing, but ongoing ego satisfaction. Yeah, I don't know. I I I, I, I couldn't answer this question for you, Mark, because I have to say, 
you know, I would be the first one to realize when, when my time is up, I'd get out of it. I don't want to hang around till I'm 50 years old, keep r driving an old shitter and, and stuff like that on a competitive level. If I wanted to do something, I would want to do it in a very uncompetitive level and just to have a laugh. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think Shuri, Shuri definitely needs to not do that if, if, yeah. if he wants to continue racing afterwards. I'm sure he would have learned from his brother. Thing while, while you're just rounding off the last seat, so um, obviously it's out now that the Muffet is going to Kelly's. Who do you think is going to fill the fourth seat there? Alex Davison. Yeah, is that a, a sure, sure thing? With Norton backing as well, Norton's going to extend their backing to two cars for both James Moffat and for Alex Davison. That's the word I hear. Yeah, no, that's that's a very, very good, um, very good. Um, uh, guess I think as well. That's also the full-on um, 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 ideas that I've had there. So uh, that should be interesting. Very interesting. Well, I'll tell you one thing. What was never ever going to happen was that a factory back Nissan was going to be running around with fair dinkum sheds plastered all over. <laughs> <laughs> never ever going to happen. So uh, Carl Reimler is um, going to be peddling his um, big bag of money somewhere else. And what about Greg Murphy? Is he is he going to be an enduro driver? Uh, if, if he's half as smart as he thinks he is, yeah. Yeah. Mm. He's got to. I mean, yeah, he stays a full-time driver. Unfortunately, because I love Murphy, he's a great character, but well past his sell-by date, had too many too many bad decisions, too many shit cars. Mm -hmm. Like the one he's driving at the moment, absolute yeah. junk heap. Um, he just doesn't need it. You know, he can do enduros. He'll be a hero because, you know, I mean, he told me on Saturday um, <laughs> at length how bad things were, but he said, this is the scariest car I've ever driven here. Ironically, folks, is it not the car that... Ironically... Hang on. He completely dismissed his prospects of, you know, of, of the old Murph magic of doing anything. And yet, and yet, towards the end of the race, where was he? Up in seventh on a charge. Yeah. And it fell apart in the end, but I'll tell you... As an enduro driver, I'd be snapping him up. That's his future, and you know he'll continue. He could never have gone with Nissan. He's too big a name for Holden, and more, more, you know, more precisely, um, HSV in New Zealand. No, he'll, he'll, you know, see out his driving days in V8 Super Tours over in New Zealand, do enduros here, and he'll be an ambassador and a legend. You know, I mean, he doesn't need it anymore. I couldn't agree more with you. I couldn't agree. And if I was rolling, I'd be right on the phone there, mate. Right on the phone. I was, funny enough, when I was just doing that little rant, I was thinking that, that that's what Roland should do. But he seems to have a couple of capable guys already, so... Uh. Yeah. It's funny how... 
a year, a funny folks how a year down the track is that, that in fact this is the first year we haven't really seen Murph do some form of fireworks, although you did mention that he, he came up towards the end. The commentary and the television coverage seemed to be really exclude an enormous amount of people. I mean, we it's almost when you start to think about it, there was no mention of the Kellys and Russell Ingall, Greg Murphy never got a mention. So many other people, it was very, very focused on, I suppose, again, uh, uh, Bathurst has become too lounge-centric, mm. and um, and I think that's... Uh, Okay, you can put it down to the 50s, but it's 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 that year and year, in year and year out. Al, the car that that Greg was driving was probably the same chassis that you had last year, although it had been, you know. Um, yeah, but I don't it, think. Been, yeah. I don't think. I don't think we should forget that last year the results and 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 uh, the positions that we had last year were. Uh, you know that we didn't qualify on pole and finish third in the race because we had the third fastest car. Don't forget that. Well, that, that car is so old. Honestly, if it's not the oldest, the Commodore running around, it's got to be close. And you know, to put it in perspective, I'll just say that you know it was the car that Moses raced. That's right. But he did park. Right, he did park the sea, folks, and uh, you know, like. That, 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 that's got to be worth something and, you know, nor was the driver a first lap nutcase. I mean, you have, I haven't heard your thoughts on that. I know you want to go to dinner, but... I am. I no, not want to. I am going. Right, Mark. So you're not talking nutcases? No. You know my opinion on Grosjean. He's just complete loose cannon. He's got to be corralled. You know, a first lap nutcase. But don't, don't you think that, that he and Weber could be in the same team, both sponsored by Gillette? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously dumb shop. I had to get some. Serious uh, and dumb. I had to get some translation cards for Alan. Yeah, yeah. Because you know what he's like around here. Time for nipple twist soon. Don't do it. Because my chest is still hurting from the time when Jacqueline Onassis. (laughs) Jacqueline Onassis. was on the. on the. on the. he was up there on the podium. Somewhere or the other. At uh, at Indian, I'll did tell you. you. Did you did you take? Are we going to bring this to the folks' house? <laughs> yeah, it needs a refill, though. It's an airwick viewers. It probably needs a new battery. <laughs> <laughs> You'll live with that. Yeah, I remember Alan. Yes. There we were on the Gold Coast. <laughs> Ryle Harris in the gutter. That we trod across, along with McAllister, of course. <laughs> God, now you're flashing back on. Oh, mate. and there was what was his name? Jay. Uh, uh, what's his name? May. Uh, uh, 
Oh, oh you've ruined my career. Oh, bro, shit. You've ruined my life. Bro, shit. Don't do it to me. Take a loop, mate. Loop, mate. Get off now. That hurts. Seriously, that was an evil to this viewer. Yeah, it's just it's funny how those, how those people just evaporated. That's right. Oh, look what I found. Yeah, I knew it. See, I told you it'd be Jamison's. I absolutely knew. You know where this comes from? Dennis Ryan. Yeah, I know it comes from Dennis Ryan. Sure. I know. It's very nice. Because the Irish make it in a different manner to the um, Scots. That's what you have in Irish coffee, isn't it? Yep. Let's see. I don't like scotch, but I don't like Irish whiskey. Well, there you go. A little bit here and a little bit there. As long as it's consumed over a whole, well, whole bottle, so it's consumed over a night, I'm good with it. <laughs> the whole bottle. <laughs> oh, look, the Irish. Viewers, for, for, for you that don't know, John's a pisshead. <laughs> Would you like to try a bit? If you haven't worked no, it out, no. viewers. Oh, oh look, it's open. I didn't even know your nuts needed that much tuning up. <laughs> there you go. Here, try a little bit. Ah, oh, no thanks. Dangerous. It's not dangerous. Actually, it's dangerous. a very, it's a very, very pleasant thing. Viewers, if you've never been to John's house, I can honestly say he has the most disgusting glasses in the world. <laughs> But if I had, it's on the it's the dishwasher's fault. If I had my dog and caddy, I wouldn't let them drink on it. <laughs> no, no biting. There's no biting. Um, recently, glasses were, were clean. Yeah, because someone came and washed up for it. And, and look how bad they are now. Oh, that's terrible. I know. I don't know how they get so bad on the inside. I don't get it good enough. So dinner was had. Dinner really was had. Dinner was very nice. A really good Chinese. Yep. And now um, a red wine that you haven't had for a while. Mm. A Nicky Burke's relation. For a while, I've never had it before. Just like you know about it. What's the story with that wine? <laughs> I'm not in this. <laughs> there you go. Just is not in this. She's not saying a word. So no, it was go. a lovely winter It was. It was very lovely. 96? No, mm. 94. 94. 94. 94. Born in 96. So it's 18 years old. So we had a nice meal for you, because we had a 94 and a 2008. 2006, Six. isn't it? Yeah. 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 Mm. Both very good in their own way. Yeah, very positive. What have you got to say, JP? There must be something going on tonight. There's a bit of tech time or... Well, there's a few bits and pieces going on there. You've got ten That's minutes. Ten minutes? Well, I don't know about that, but uh, certainly... Well, are we gonna, well, well, what are we going to talk about? I mean... Before oh, Okay, then let's talk about tweeting, because Alan was talking about tweeting while we were eating. Actually, oh, there's, right. there's a bit of... Tweeting that didn't meant to be tweeted. Well, that's right, and there's a there's, there's a, always an LH. Of, there's a, a, a an apology from one LH because uh, the the tweet that he read that was supposedly attributed to Jensen wasn't actually Jensen's tweet at all. And uh, in fact, Alan broke this story. Al, 
Yeah, I think uh, I think JP, you know, you know he's he's onto it. So let him just finish it. So, uh, <laughs> well, so thanks for breaking in, Johnny. Formula Hunt. One, Formula One tweet fest, which Lewis Hamilton's ended up apologising for because Jensen didn't tweet what he thought he tweeted. So, but there's not much else Formula One news at the moment because we're in between races again, of course. So. Well, we're only on Formula One. We can say that we uh, we downloaded um, the Sky telecast last night, the famous red button telecast. In oh, you fact, did? Yes, we did. And, and was it, it was good? A, 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 One a, of the best a, a, ever. We have to all, say. No, not only was the download on a torrent right, really, really good, and like we're not we're not you know we can't be considered pirates mm. because they don't offer it to us. True. So we just decided to have a look at it, and the pre-show was just so good, was it not? Um, Aunt, Aunt Davidson looked a little bit. Oh yeah, well he's always done that. Uh, <laughs> he's the ginger ninja they couldn't kill. The ginger ninja. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that interesting though? It was so good because, in fact, you always went. I don't need to watch the race. It was the preempt. Because view, for the viewers' benefit, on the way back from Bathurst, the, the three of us, uh, Johnny, you and Al and I, sat in the car listening to Murray Walker on motorsport a year ago, uh, talking about how the telecast was going to be and how the BBC had set the benchmark of where it was and how could Sky possibly do anything better. And they have. Yes, they and, uh, you know, so I think that's pretty amazing that the fact that, you know, that's the way it works. Extolling the virtues of a third-party coverage in parallel with... But the third-party knew that if they were going to charge people for it, they had to eclipse what people already had. And, and they've done that job. The yeah. question yeah. is, can we get Scott... If Sky is sent... Surely Sky must have an ability to be able to distribute that around the world electronically uh, in real time. Well, you're sure they'll be able to get some of the telecasts. It's a a Rupert show, isn't it? But if you can get the red button feature, which is basically... What is red button? Red button feature means that you can follow the car that you like to follow. So if you want to follow Jensen Button's onboard camera for the whole race, you can Mm. choose to do that still with the commentary over it. That's what the red button feature is all about. And then you can swap to another car. Absolutely. Wow, that's pretty cool. For, yeah. for, and people, are, you see, they, they've said it, oh, it's, yeah. and this is where rewinding is made, making me annoyed because they go, here's a free-to-air coverage, or free-to-air, but they're not saying that should you use the pay subscription model, you have all this other ability but if you want to be in Jensen Button's car, you can be. If right. you want to be in, in Michael Schumacher's car, you can be. They're not selling that. Well, they're, they're not selling it here because we haven't got access to They're not selling it here because no one can make a bucket. But why, why would Fox not be well, promoting it here? I mean, Fox a really, really, big. really great solution. A mate of mine has got. Fox coverage here, right? He, he subscribes to Fox, but all he really wants is the footy during the footy season. So, and so for the privilege of that, he pays, let's just, I can't remember the figures, but let's just pull a figure out of the air and say he pays 50 bucks a month and he can get every single footy game if he wants to. What's to stop 
Fox here offering the same thing for motorsport and saying, okay, well, for 50 bucks a month, you can get all the full Grand Prix coverage a la Sky in the UK. Exactly. And from the football players, okay, so maybe a bit different because they're all so rough and tumble, but some people might be interested, say, I want to see his heart rate. I want to see his heart rate monitor. Mm. I want to watch that. I want to see how it works. I I don't know, everyone looks at different attributes. But it, it will be it, it, in in years to come. You look you look at you look at the V8 supercars as the benchmark in Australia, and you see how they opt and copy a lot of the stuff that's happened in Formula One. I mean, if you just look yeah. at the paddock club in Formula One, V8 supercar got the paddock club. Yeah. The telecars gets better and be, better for every year in in uh, in V8 supercars. And now this year with this new red button feature and almost every other V8 supercar running an onboard camera. I don't think it will be very long before you can do that um, in, in Australia as well, if V8 supercar becomes a pay channel. Um, right. Because you obviously need the feature on your control to actually be able to press the different things in order to, um, to get onto it. But I think it's something that the enthusiasts will pay for if they know it's there. Um, but it's not just the... It's not just the features on the uh, controls, it's also the commentators. I mean, you have very capable commentators who actually knows what they're talking about as well, which, yeah, that makes which, a big which, which yeah. gives um, everything, you know, like having Martin Brunnell and uh, David Coulthard and, and those yep. guys in there, um, and Johnny Herbert was in the telecast for Sky with, with Anthony Davidson. You have current F1 drivers or people that's been winning and stuff who actually knows the inside side story. But more importantly, actually are on the track. They're actually there mm. in the paddock. They're not sitting in some studio in Sydney or yeah, Melbourne trying to, you know, come up with some story of what they've heard or what they've read on the yeah. internet. Um, and for enthusiasts, um, they can't deal with that. They need the real stuff. For the normal person who just want to see a bit of Formula One, that's fine. But if you really want to have it in depth, you need to have that ability and... and uh, yeah, Sky has definitely made that possible. Well, so we've got to wonder what's going to happen with V8 supercars next year on that note, because we know Big Pond's out. As a platform sponsor, yeah. So Which means does that, that mean that someone play, else is going to step play, into play, the play, void? Play, play in. No, because well, Vodafone got no money. So I suggest so Optus will come on board or someone. Or, I don't know, or, or maybe a pay TV channel will or come an international on board. And they will actually give you the pay TV option and the internet option. Yep. But it'd be nice to know what, what is going to come on board, that's for sure. Because it could it's certainly open the whole thing up. Alan, it's been lovely. And I mean it in that soft, soapy way of saying it. That'll be the phones. Okay. <laughs> the phones? Um, Has he finished dinner already? So forget that, How He didn't really mean it at all because he's walked off to answer the phone. But yeah, okay. let's not worry about that. So, I see Christian Horner's predicted a duel for the title. So nice. Hello, what's going on? Well, uh, actually, it's uh, rather interesting. You would ring Phil Alexander, a racer from the... uh, um, Because we are actually doing a radio show and having been a racer at Bathurst exactly 30 years ago in an RX-7... Um, we're having a live show here with Alan Simonson and myself and JP and, hey, you know, 
I just ring you to ask you how to spell the word schmear. Absolutely, uh, that's what I want to get say. Quite so. Wait, uh, well, how, how would you like to spell it? No, no, I needed to check it because I was writing a story yesterday about the whole schmear. But uh, <laughs> the, the, oh, the full schmear. The, the whole <laughs> schmear. The full schmear. Viewers, I must say, and this is a live show that you're actually on, uh, uh, Shorty. Uh, 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 Philip. <laughs> Philip. 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 Phil Alexander, a very, very dear old friend of mine who I went to Bathurst with in 1983 and 84 with Ron Gillard in the Takiko RX-7. We never got to peripheral porting, but, uh, mate, how timely that you... Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Oh, sorry, we we, we never... We actually... uh, We never get... We came ninth, I think, didn't we? We... I'm, I, I'm, I am mistakenly saying we never got to fuel injection because there was a rather difficult chap who was a cigarette smoker at one end of the grid providing it to someone down the end called Murray Carter. Yes, correct. Um, and then there was Mick Webb. <laughs> but, uh, oh. Phil, I, mate, how yeah. wonderful is it to hear from you? Having been to the mountain uh, last weekend... What's your thoughts on it, mate? Um, you are a legend in your own right, have, having driven the mountain many, many years. Tell uh, the guys on Radio Hot Lap what it was like to drive those Group C RX-7s back there, 81, 82, 83, 84. It's pretty exciting at the time. It's uh, a little benign to us that the, the man right up the front had... Uh, Two or three million dollars sponsorship. The rest of the guys down the rest of the uh, rest of the grid and masters were struggling to get ten thousand dollars. But the, the ones that sort of got a position, we were pretty happy about it. But the, the money that was even poured in back then was uh, was astounding. That nobody knew back then the amount of money that certain people had. But we did our best. We had a we had a ball and. Uh, you know, it was an experience that lives with you for the rest of your days. It was just quite fantastic. I, uh, I, disti- I, you, I, you were there, John. You, you were there. You, you, uh, you saw what we all went through. Mate, I remember distinctly in '83 sitting. I was standing next to to Jill Johnson as she sat on what was it? What I think would be the equivalent of a tennis umpire's chair, up a couple That's of rungs. Yeah. And at the moment where Dick, um, at his right, uh, sorry, his, uh, yeah, his right front touched the, um, the, the wall coming out of Forest Elbow and, uh, and the car was disintegrated. Everyone was in horror. I can't quite remember exactly what, what, in, what went on from there, but I, I have a vague feeling, and I'm sure you'll be able to help us out on that, is that he ended up buying a car from, I think, Andrew Harris, was that right? Yeah, what happened is that he, from my memory too, Andrew Harris and Gary Cook, the renowned Gary Cook, one of the first Rotary Engine races, they they did a deal with him somehow and uh, repainted the car overnight. Uh, The ARDC allowed that to happen because of the, um, I don't know who, who Dick was, and they repainted the car, but the car being because of 
where it came out, it probably wasn't all that clever. So Dick had to drive probably a 70% car, um, repaint it, so they took all their time to repaint it, probably put some really good bits in it. But uh, I don't think it pained or anything on that year. Dick, uh, Dick made the grid, but the car was half a clunker. Um, and then I think Harrison Cook drove a Commodore that year where their entry was a, uh, a Falcon. That's, uh, that's from my memory. I think you're pretty right, mate, and uh, I believe that the car actually came out with a bit of wet paint on it. I would suggest so because that was a qualifying and there wasn't a lot of time for rectification sort of overnight. But that might have been a citizen car. And oh. uh, Gary had some close uh, relationship with citizen watches, I remember from back then. That was probably a citizen car that was then repainted, a citizen Falcon. And they, they did a deal with a Commodore that was floating around. So, uh, and I'm not sure where Gary uh, and uh, Andrew Harris would have been when it ended up. But I don't think it featured kind of, kind of in the whole scenario, only because the car was probably a you know, pretty average car, Look, from my memory. T- today, mate, uh, those uh, cars wouldn't be painted. Uh, that would be the, you know... The weight of the paint would uh, make a differentiation between the front of the grid and the rear of the grid. Everything would be stickered up, and uh, and I think that's uh, pretty interesting to note. And, and in fact, I caught up with uh, with your your old mate um, uh, Peter McLeod, and uh, and uh, had a great chat to him, and also pointed out that I was a bit of a Citroen fan. Um, and uh, and he had a he had a huge laugh and I remember thirty years ago it was twenty nine years ago I suppose almost uh, that that it was it was a it was a bit of a, a good looking bloke you know, that I was after him but uh, you know, uh, Peter was a Peter was a pretty pretty uh, sort of a dapper looking young man uh, in in motor racing as you were yourself. <laughs> It's funny to see those people there over the weekend, Phil, and, and uh, I was hoping I'd see you up there, but I'm um, sorry I, I didn't, um, and you didn't make it up there, but, uh, mate, the real well, call we, was... we were actually racing, uh, John, we were actually racing at uh, Eastern Creek. Uh, my two boys had a uh, club, go-kart club championship on, and the powers to be uh, scheduled it on the Sunday. Yeah, uh, wow. Yep. Now that was intelligence plus. <laughs> I can't imagine. However, uh, between the races, we obviously had a TV and we were sort of getting glimpses of the race, but it was pretty exciting. <laughs> I can't imagine some of the comments coming out of your mouth. In fact, I can, but uh, I will um, not uh, divulge them to the viewers. Divulge them to the viewers. Thank you, JP. No worries. Uh, mate, uh, look. Uh, Phil Alexander, Group C racer of the 90s, 80s, with, uh, with uh, Ron Gillard. Thanks for calling in. And look, stay on the line because we've got a special gift for you before we hang up. Oh, that'd be, that'd be wonderful, mate. And that'd in fact, it, it could be one of the Mark Gibbs red cars. <laughs> oh, no. Either that or I'm going to get thrown in the pool naked and sit home and...
that must I've been, been must be that time. That 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 tech time. Are they overripe tomatoes? No, I don't think they're overripe. They look good to me. They'd be good for breakfast in the morning with bacon and eggs. And cock. Anyway, um, I suppose we should talk a little bit about tech time, should we not? Go. Well, Apple Maps, you know, Apple Maps have all been the rage. But the funny... Well, have they been the anti-rage? Well, they've been the rage and the anti-rage. But they've and not been... Not, not happy, Jan. But I read an article today that said uh, Apple made the right call on Apple Maps because they're going to improve out of sight... They're going to actually eclipse Google Maps because of the way they're put together and the fact that it's all cloud-based. And that Apple did the right thing regardless of... I don't think cloud-based has got anything to do with the fact that they're inaccurate. Cloud is about where they're served yes, from. Sorry, no, that makes no sense to me. I, I just you, you're, you're telling me a story, I'm going... Accuracy has got nothing to do with the cloud delivery. So no, not to do with the cloud delivery, but because they can be edited on the fly in inverted commas because of that cloud basis, no. they can be updated and fixed no, 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 quicker. No, 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 I don't believe that at all. Actually. all right, and no, well, I don't fine. believe that at all. Accuracy has got nothing to do with where it's being delivered from. Cloud or a fixed server on a, on, a, on, a, on a static IP, that doesn't make any difference. Data is data. The fact is, if it can't see where Forbes is, like compared to where it really is on a map, that's a problem with the mapping system. It's got nothing to do with the infrastructure of the delivery of information. Okay, I'm just going to read you a little quote here out of this article, right? I'm adamant it about says that. that Perhaps this is. has allowed Apple to create a new cloud-based mapping app that, unlike Google Maps, can be shaped through repeated customer use. In fact, the shortcomings of the new mapping tool may even be a necessary, if unfortunate, byproduct of the initiative. Reliability will improve as more people use Apple Maps and the software integrates these experiences into its functionality. Okay, so what they're trying to say there is... They're trying to do a crowdsourcing solution. Yes. To go, but it doesn't solve today's maps. No, true, it doesn't. But it's saying, hey, can you all get together and make it better? Look, this all this cloud solution is a complete crock of shit, right? Because it, it they've basically gone and said, look, here's a server that sits somewhere that you don't know. Up until now, Apple servers have who've delivered everything which haven't been in the cloud... Yes. ...inverted commas, are still in the cloud... Yeah. ...because no-one knew where they were anyway. True. So what's the frickin' point? You know, it's not like they're sitting on a 747 running around the world... Well... ...but with a satellite dish on it. They're still sitting in a, in, in server farms in, in South Carolina... With yes. ...with solar panels on the roof. So that's all bullshit. What we're saying, what they're saying is, if you, if you tell us what's wrong, we'll make it better. Yes, and then the, and, and the and professor so and the professor who wrote the article says, and the potential long-term benefits of such crowdsourced initiatives will compensate for a few weeks of user complaints. <laughs> and there we are. What a lot of shit. Well, there you go. Whether, uh, you, whether you like it or whether you don't. One, you're but the funniest thing of the lot is that the Apple Maps, as they are today, 
have apparently accidentally exposed some Taiwanese radar early warning system that was put up by um, the US. I don't give a fuck about that. I just, what I, you don't want to give a fuck about is the fact that when the last week, when we tried to stay in the hotel in Forbes, the freaking place didn't appear so where Forbes was. Yeah. Oh, maybe okay. so. But I'm emotional about the fact that maps don't. Like, aren't you, aren't you okay. worried about the fact that your maps don't work anymore? I'm just going to say, Johnny, that in 12 months' time, if and when Apple Maps are superior to Google Maps, then I will remind you of tonight. Oh, oh look, in 12 months' time, I have no doubt they will be better. But, you, but you, they had to start somewhere. Yeah, but what they did was they, they basically drove off a cliff and turned everybody into... I've never really talked bad, bad about Apple products in my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> Alan's in shock. This, this, is, this is a complete disaster. And when you said, when I came and I said, I'm looking at an Apple uh, iPhone, fine, you said, oh, don't buy that. That's shit. I've never heard you say that of a new Apple product. You're normally always all for it. What I'm saying is if you, if you buy an iPhone 5, you're stuck with iOS 6, which means you get bad maps. But I have TomTom anyway. And that is what powers Apple. Yeah, true. TomTom Tom Maps is what Apple's basically using. And on that the note, basis of right. Apple Maps is And on that note... So we've probably exhausted that by about now. Is there anything finally you'd like to say, Mr Simonson? I'll say on that bombshell, viewers. Good night for tonight. Okay, good night, viewers. Good night, viewers.